Welcome to Season 1 of American Political History, by the grace of God. The pilgrims scouted out the region around Plymouth Bay and found a great area for their settlement. What they didn't know at the time was that it was the abandoned site of the Patuxet village. One of the first nations in the area to trade with western fishermen, the Patuxet had been decimated by disease. Death had brought the nation to such few numbers that they were forced to abandon their site and incorporate into other local nations of the Wampanoag Confederacy. Now, it's time for a little myth-busting. Recent research has shown that it was not smallpox that decimated these nations in New England in 1620. It was leptospirosis, which is a blood-based infection that is spread through fecal matter. This gives you an idea of the state of hygiene and sewers to handle human waste. In Jamestown, which we have better records of, it was often the alley between buildings that was the latrine. And although there is less history of the fecal sanitation of the native nations, we can see from the rapid rate and spread that they too lacked any practices of modern hygiene. And this is just a reminder of the harshness of anyone's life then compared to modern times. The Wampanoag nations viewed it as a foolish decision for the pilgrims to choose to settle on a place of such recent death and misfortune. When the pilgrims found out about what happened to the Patuxet, they said this was the will of God to open the land for them. Today, we go back and view this too often as a sign of racism or a lack of value placed towards the native lives. But that cannot be further from the truth. We today can't easily grasp this very literal interpretation of God that they had, and a God often without a devil. It was God that allowed the pilgrims to have this wonderful site for their settlement because their calling was blessed by God, obviously. And when half the colony would die in the next six months, it was because God willed this misfortune. When the leader of the pilgrim's wife fell over the ship and drowned, it was because God willed that misfortune on his family. Blessings were because of God, granted for piety. Death and misfortune were blessings of God as consequences for misdeeds or so the parishioner could gain more sufficient piety with their time on earth. Religion was the dominant social construct with which the pilgrims viewed the world. And that religion was of a vengeful Old Testament God that seems very unfamiliar to us today in our lives of affluence. As the pilgrims explored the local area, they also found and pillaged some native grave sites of their stores of food because they were starving. They noted down where and who, what symbols of people they took these from, so that once they knew who they had stolen these items from, they could explain their desperation and pay that debt back. That was the respect that the pilgrims viewed natives whom they had never met. But this first winter, like almost every colony, was a disaster. The pilgrims had started their settlement at the start of winter without enough supplies or time to build enough shelters. They would be packed into tight quarters, a hundred people fitting into seven small bedroom-sized buildings. These conditions, along with starvation levels of food, would create an environment that allowed them to be ripped apart as they seasoned themselves to this new climate. Sometimes, 
it is hard for us to think about living in these sort of conditions, where best case, best life, the average life expectancy would be the mid-20s. And this is without imagining settling a land where half the people died in the first year. It all just becomes abstract lives in a book that can quickly be glossed over. A few seconds of reading and we're past it. But I want you to feel for a few seconds. The sacrifices of these and many other people in history, all of who had real lives with real hopes and dreams cut short by circumstances out of their control. James Chilton died sometime in the winter of 1620, his wife a few days later. Vagary Priest, Solomon Prowers, Richard Bitteridge, Rose Standish, Mary Allerton, Elizabeth Winslow, John Allerton, Richard Clark, Sarah Eaton, all died that first winter, along with almost 40 other souls. Half of the colony would die that winter. We're just not able to comprehend this level of death around us. And this wasn't unique to Plymouth. Jamestown would have an average life expectancy of six months after arrival, and that rate would last a couple of decades. The term now wife was common English parlance. A regular cultural phrase, families were decentralized amalgamations of step-siblings, step-parents, and cousins. Surviving your childhood with only your single nuclear family unit was a feat of amazing luck. The pilgrims, weeks after landing, would have a few brief skirmishes with the natives as they explored. Unknown to the pilgrims was that a few years before an English pirate captain had kidnapped a group of natives while pretending to want to trade with them, inviting them on his boat, and then sailing back to Europe, selling them as slaves. The pilgrims now faced a world with all the odds stacked up against them. They settled at the start of winter, over a dead Patuxet village, with all of the natives around them already turned hostile and disease wiping them out. This first winter would be called the trying times, and unless you were with them through this, you were never really a founding pilgrim. Which leads me to breaking one of the dumbest mythologies that actually passes as history in some history books. The myth is that in the depths of this winter trying time, the bodies of the dead pilgrims would be leaned against the trees to create a sentry guard of protection that helped ward off Indian attack. First of all, the English in 1620 always thought of the natives as skilled and impressive hunters. Do you really think that rotting scarecrows would fool trained hunters and woodsmen for months? Me neither. It's a ridiculous concept. Second, half of the pilgrims would die in a five-month span, and the rest were violently ill or starving. But they still had to tend to the daily work for survival, as well as the sickly. In such a weak state, what they had to do was start unceremoniously dumping loved ones in the woods for the wildlife to dispose of. What do you think that they would say to their friends and family when they returned from those woods? Yup, I dumped Sarah in the woods for the jackals. Or, we left them in the woods so their spirit could keep us safe from threats, to, to watch over us, to protect us, while we endure through this trying time. This was a nice white lie that someone later mistook as factual history. 
And that's ironic and representative of our lack of respect for the intelligence and skill of the people that came before us. But while Plymouth was starving through the trying times, Massasoit, the sachem or great chief of all of the Wampanoag nations, was no fool. And he's personally one of my favorite people of this era. His first inclination was to just attack and wipe out these treacherous English. Their past crimes told him of their character. And this would have been a reasonable response. But he paused preparations for the attack because the pilgrims were very different from the rumors of the English that he had heard from down south in the Powhatan Nations area. Remember, Jamestown was a commercial military trade post comprised of all men, mostly conscripted or indentured labor, who were hostile, expansionistic, desperate, looking to exploit resources. But Plymouth was more than half women and children. This wasn't a war band or a military post. This was an actual settlement of English people. For most of the natives, they would have never seen an English woman or child. And so Massasoit thought, would they be willing to make bonds of friendship? Perhaps. So he paused, and he watched that winter as they died of disease, an obvious consequence of foolishly settling on a location that disease had ravaged just a few years prior. Massasoit also had another pressing issue— The rest of the Wampanoag nation had been ravaged by disease over the past few years too, none of them as badly as the Patuxet, but still each nation had stories of their losses. Because of this weakened state, the Wampanoag had to start paying tribute to the Massachusetts nation to prevent war with them. He was in a political death spiral. The tribute would continue to erode the strength of the Wampanoag until they were nothing more than a tributary to the Massachusetts. So he decided to see if there was an opportunity here with the pilgrims. Those pilgrims still had those impressive English arms and extra bodies to fight, and although modest in size, they still would be a potent military force on the battlefield. And if he brought them on his side, they together would be stronger than any of the surrounding nations, and he could end the tributes he paid to the Massachusetts. The English also might be able to share the medical knowledge for treating diseases, This was at least rumored of the English in Jamestown. Early trade expeditions had brought doctors that showed the ability to treat common diseases. The ability to treat these diseases was beyond the skill of Massasoit's own medicine men. But, first things first. Someone had to go talk with the English. That someone was Samoset. He happened to be visiting Massasoit, and Samoset happened to speak some English. He had been trading for years and interacting with English fishermen near his home area, which would be today Maine. With his basic understanding of English and English culture, he likely volunteered to Massasoit to make the first contact. Samoset walked into Plymouth alone, shocking everyone there, holding two arrows, one with a head attached and the other without, a symbolic gesture of the outcome of peace or war. And so Samoset boldly walked into Plymouth and asked the English, Where is your beer at? Thank you for listening to this episode of American Political History. If you want to support the show, please subscribe and leave a five-star rating and share this show with someone you think would enjoy listening. Thank you again, and until next time.